Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. This is the Pitchfork Review, the show about the musicians we're obsessed with and the albums you need to know right now. I'm Pooja Patel, the Editor-in-Chief. Last week, we covered a lot of the best and worst music of the year from some of our biggest artists. And in case you haven't listened to that yet, we didn't hold back. I think that song is way overhyped and overtorqued. I think it is music for children. Um, I think it's performative and untruthful. I think the emotional locus (laughs) of the song... Let me finish. Let me finish. (laughs) This week, we'll be diving into the indie scenes, because to be honest, that's where a lot of the most extraordinary music of the year was being released. In just a minute, I'll jump back in with Reviews Editor Jeremy Larson and Features Editor Ryan Domble to talk about the good, the bad, and the forgettable of 2022. Plus, our favorite songs of the year, and we'll hear from some of Pitchfork's staff about the music at the top of their year-end playlists. Hi, my name is Isabelia Herrera, and I'm a contributing editor at Pitchfork. My favorite electronic album of the year is probably Shy Girl's Nymph. Uh, I think it's such a fun, playful combination of club music, hip-hop, lots of Y2K, sort of throwback nostalgic vibes, but also very much showing a more vulnerable side of Shy Girl that we haven't seen before. I think Coochie, A Bedtime Story, is my favorite one. I think it just really encapsulates how sort of like flirtatious and playful Shy Girl can be but, you know, also really innovative when it comes to production. I think it's really fun to listen to, like, before going out, getting ready for the club, because it's, like, very sad girl vibes, but also very upbeat. So it's just a very, very much matches my own energy as I'm getting ready to go out. We're back. I'm here with Jeremy Larson and Ryan Zomble. So some of the most exciting music this year wasn't coming from the big names. And I think we were all really reminded of that when we went to put together our annual year-end list. There was so much extremely cool music coming from indie artists that we all definitely fell in love with. So I guess what I want to know from you both is, what was your indie breakthrough artist? Or an album that really just trumped everything else? Uh, I had two, and I'll start with the one that I think we all kind of agree on. It's by this artist named Grace Ives, who I believe is New York-based. Yeah, she rules. She's incredible. This album 
throws so many different ideas against the wall and they all stick and that it's so rare in a pop album. I mean, I think in her interview, she said she wrote a lot of these songs when she was working like the coat check at a music venue here in Brooklyn. And I think the album kind of sounds like that in a way. And I think that's such an interesting concept and a lens through which to write pop music of just like music you've heard in the other room, which I think is sort of gets at the idea of what I love so much about pop music is it just uh-huh. it, it all wait it, you love pop music I love pop music uh-huh. I don't know why you, I don't know why you're so down my throat about loving or not <laughs> loving pop music I'm just saying like what I like about pop music is the music itself what I don't like about pop music are the personalities around it right. um, so okay. I'm drawn more to the music aspect of it and I think that Grace Ives like her songwriting is terrific on this record I think the song Shelley is one of my favorite songs of the year. It's filthy. It's funny. It sounds like a little 80s pop rock song that never takes off. She looks like Shelly in the diner. She's got the red lip liner. Oh, major, major, minor, minor. I want a one, two, three, four, five. Grey Sides. That's my breakthrough of the year. The other one I do want to mention is this album by MJ Lenderman, who is the guitarist in this rally Durham band called Wednesday. And he's his solo album is just straight down the ticket of indie rock that I really love. If you like Jason Molina, if you like Sparkle Horse, if you like Neil Young, you will love this album. What about you, Dumbled? Uh, yeah, a couple of mine are, there's this electronic duo called Two Shell, and debut EP this year called Icons, and it is uh, floor-to-ceiling bangers. They are kind of bringing it back to, oh, some reminds me of the 90s, kind of big beat. Daft Punk is another pretty obvious reference. They're just trying to make electronic music that makes you forget your troubles sort of vibe. And it's kind of goofy. It's very melodic. So, you know, there's a lot to grab onto, even though, you know, it's still mostly instrumental, like electronic music. I'm obsessed with Two Shell. I guess another one that I really liked this year was this guy called, who goes by Alabaster De Plume. He's from London and is kind of a journeyman sax player. Um, he's a kind of a linchpin in the London underground jazz scene and has been for uh, quite a while. And he came out with this really beautiful album called Gold seemed like a breakthrough moment for me. Some of it's instrumental jazz. It's on the chiller side. And some of it includes kind of spoken word mm-hmm. affirmations, which honestly, like if I heard someone say like, this is jazz with spoken word affirmations, I'd be like, that sounds fucking <laughs> terrible. And, I, and like, why would I ever want to listen to that? Which is what I thought when someone explained, you know, someone's trying to sell him to me, like one of our staffers. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that right away. And, you know, <laughs> and eventually did. And I was like, actually, like, I'm genuinely moved by this. I remember the names they use, but I forget that I'm precious. I'm not going to remind you every time I'm 
remind you every time, don't forget your pleasure. It's charming in a way that supersedes some of my uh, personal aversions to this idea of someone whisper pep talking over a chill jazz vamp. So I think maybe this might be a niche comparison, but don't think of it as spoken word. If you think of it more as like sampled, his voice almost sounds sort of sampled from Mm -hmm. another era like mm-hmm. almost from like a 70s or 60s record mm-hmm. i think to me it sounded like like a dj cozy record mm-hmm. like in a way like there there's something sort of mystical and out of time about it not guy with bongos in a coffee shop about it which is i think like what makes the spoken word part work yeah. i feel like this is your mystical and out of time era jeremy I'm always in a mystical and out of time era. (laughs) Well, let's, this is something that you've talked about a lot, actually. Let's talk about some trends or kind of common themes that we've heard through the year, especially in the Indian experimental stuff that we have been more drawn to. Um, Jeremy, can you explain this theory to me? My theory is that there is a lot of nostalgia for sounds that we have experienced and that we can remember very clearly, whether it's the 80s or the 90s, or I mean, Jack Harlow got famous off of a sample from a Fergie song, which came out in the 2000s, right? Like, so we're all sort of steeped right now. Pop music is steeped in this nostalgia of the recent past. What some artists have been doing, which is really interesting to me, is going back, back, way back to the 1920s and 30s, sometimes into the 40s, 50s, and early 60s. And there's a few records that get (laughs) back into that era that I find really fascinating. And the first one that came out earlier in the year is Father John Misty's The Next 20th Century. I know a lot of people on staff have kind of shadow banned this record for you know for <laughs> for various reasons of just sort of not being able to stomach the sort of laddish cynicism of Josh Tillman and I won't begrudge anybody that. I mean it's also just boring. But I think this and you can think that and but I think that this record is really quite a beautiful record that talks about how we're in this constant recursion of time that why does everything feel exactly the same yet it is actually getting worse. And that's what I think like a lot of this record is about, you know, like from its name, the next 20th century. And the record basically sounds like a Herb Alpert record or it sounds like a Lawrence Welk record. And these Mm -hmm. are names that obviously the kids listen to this podcast are screaming and cheering and losing their mind at because they know them so well. But I think it's really interesting to just pull from these just really old, nerdy, deeply uncool sounds and make a record like this that is really honestly about how the one thing that endures through all of time is love. (laughs) And that's why I really like this Father John Misty record. This may be the last time Last time I get out of bed Mm -hmm. I've got a couple trendy type things. Yeah, what are you Uh, saying, Double? Like quick hit stuff. Women rappers are just crushing it right now in like such a fun and exciting way. Glorilla's rapper out of Memphis had a really big year uh, with her hit FNF, Let's Go. (laughs) Megan Thee Stallion still everywhere. Even Azealia Banks' uh, Ghost of Christmas Past is is like had Mm -hmm. had a new amazing song this year called New Bottega. But in addition, like, to those, there's a lot of new women rappers that are really exciting, including Ice Spice from the Bronx, whose hit 
Munch is certainly one of my favorite songs. Can you explain what a munch is? A munch is a guy who, yeah, is just being used, um, basically, and he may not know it. And uh, he's being used to the effect that she made a whole song about it, and there's nothing (laughs) that he can do. (laughs) There's also a more explicit version of that that I was trying to get you to. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to. I try to keep you very it, uh, daintily stepped aside. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> just listen to this song. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's not hard to figure out. You thought I was feeling you? That nigga munch. Nigga either he ate it for lunch. Bitch on my body, I get what I want. Like you thought I was feeling you? That nigga munch. Nigga either he ate it for lunch. Bitch on my body, I get what I want. Like bitch say balance, keep it a bean. No to be mad, I be on the scene. Ask too fat, can't fit in a jean. And yeah, one uh, lastly that I wanted to point out is another drill rapper from the Bronx named Kenzo B, and she's pretty young. I think she's just out of high school, and she has a song called "The Realist" that is just crazy banger and you know hasn't gotten around as much but really deserves a lot more attention that song's sick i got some haters and some niggas proud of me suck a dick for them niggas that doubted me love how i move because i stay with a book and know i can't be praying niggas trying to devour me every move on my dick while they clocking me post it can go for them bitches that's watching me got no hits why you think he's flocking me spend more than once like you playing monopoly as you kidding me niggas saying they and the other quick hit like trend that i liked this year is just this idea of like vanguard r&b or like bespoke r&b Mm-hmm. You know, obviously this is not a new thing, but it was a great year for that in 2022. Some records are Sudan Archives, Natural Brown Prom Queen. You know, you could really put Beyonce's Renaissance in this uh, category. Raven Linnae, album called Hypnos is, is phenomenal. And, and probably my favorite of the bunch is called Remember Your North Star by this New York artist named Yaya Bay. Yeah, the album is kind of throwbacky, boom bap, and it deals a lot with these ideas of self-worth, self-understanding, which I feel like in 2022 is almost like, I don't know, you just want to clown that or just it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's been done. Like this idea of self-worth is just such a cliche now, but at its heart, it's still a really important <laughs> thing for everybody to keep in mind. And she makes the idea of kind of singing about self-worth seem cool which i think is very hard and she makes it seem very easy can i shout out sudan archives for the same kind of vibe i do think that there's like women in r&b have been relegated to either being sex pots or being lovelorn mm-hmm. um or kind of like in a like grieving period and and there's incredible R&B made to that end but it does feel like the new era and a lot of this was I mean it wasn't led by but we saw a lot of it with Jasmine Sullivan last year is kind of like owning every part of your identity and the thing about Sudan Archives she is such an experimental and smart R&B and pop singer like i feel like there are three or four songs that are very specifically about insecurity tied to identity you know in selfish soul she talks about where she might be if she had different hair in nbpq she talks about where she might be if she was light skin but then it's like 
over these insane strings that sound like a didgeridoo <laughs> and like these like frenetic claps that could be a twerk song like it could be mixed into a two chains birthday <laughs> thing at the club I'm pretty sure the line is, I'm not average, but you can't hear the I'm not. It's just like average. And you have to really be paying attention to hear the I'm not average. Mm -hmm. And like the whole kind of like idea of playing with all of that and disassociating into this like whirlwind of sound that is led by a woman talking about identity is extremely powerful to me. It's very cool to see R&B being used in this way, like very purposefully by all these artists. And I think that's such like a cool, <laughs> how like therapy and mental health and identity have all sort of bled into this like new class of R&B singers that, that seems so in touch with how people live their lives now. <laughs> and I think that's amazing. And it just shows like the power of the genre being able to constantly evolve in a way that a lot of other genres struggle to because it is so emotions first and personality first and feelings first. Okay, let's take a quick break. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Sam Sadomsky. I'm an associate editor at Pitchfork, and I'm talking about my favorite metal album of the year, which I've got to shout out, the band On Death from Rochester, New York. I loved their record, It's Time, dot, 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 To Rise From The Grave. It is so fun, and the riffs are so good. them play the songs live and you got to be in the pit when human chandelier starts it's an amazing song it's just a really positive fun inviting take on music about dismemberment and eating brains really killer record i recommend it hi we're back can we talk about some legacy artists or beloved artists to either us or Pitchfork in general that had a huge comeback this year? We saw a bunch of them. We saw some that were kind of mid, and then we saw some that were really triumphant. And the mids are the Arctic Monkeys, though I know people here disagree with me, and Father John Mastee. <laughs> And Phoenix. But what were like some of the triumphs? Panda Bear and his band Animal Collective like had a great comeback this year um, with their album Time Skiffs. It's a very 
In the Room band playing instruments album, which is slightly different from their more aqueous sort of oozing around in a children's playroom (laughs) album that they've been sort of toying with lately, you know, and they're all fathers now and they kind of live in in different places around the world. And so I think like when they got together to make this album, they really, you know, tried to reconnect with their roots in a way. But but I think they all have a very instinctive way of playing together. The last song on this album called Royal and Desire is maybe one of my favorite songs they've ever written. It gets at that sublime beauty that this band can capture without doing the sort of sitting around the campfire screaming about animals and nature that they did in their early years. I think they really hit a peak with this album. Domble, I know that Beth Orton was a fave for you. Beth Orton came out with an album called Weather Alive this year. And this is a, yeah, someone who's been in the music industry f- since the early 90s, started off as a singer-songwriter, working with like electronic producers. It's always kind of been tough to pigeonhole by design. And uh, according to our interview with her, it's really you know, led to problems for her as far as like, is she an electronic artist? Is she a singer-songwriter? Is she this, she that? People had trouble marketing her, I guess. Mm -hmm. With this album, she recorded it with a lot of vanguard of London's jazz scene. People like Tom Skinner, who's worked with The Smile, with Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, and also Alabaster de Plume, which we mentioned earlier. And the album is this really, reminds me of, you know, Ben Morrison, Astro Weeks, it's this kind of yawning wake up of an album where it just sounds like everyone just walked in the door, picked up their instruments and just like recorded this gorgeous record mm-hmm. in one take. It has a spontaneity and this kind of wise, and yeah, it's kind of just immediately gorgeous to listen to. And her voice sounds incredible throughout the record. It's the first record that she produced. Mm-hmm. And I, I think yeah. the fact that her voice has changed, not a ton, but, but it has but it has changed throughout the years. And the fact that she sort of got the wrinkles and crinkles of all of these instruments to sort of fit in with the folds of her voice now. It's it's unbelievable. It is an unbelievable experience listening to that record. I, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I do think there's something about, like you were saying, the spontaneity, like hearing something that feels like you're in a room of of people who just understand each other, yeah. even if it wasn't actually recorded that way. There is something very meaningful about that. It reminds me of another record, one of my favorites, I think one of all of our favorites, Talk Talk's record, Spirit of Eden. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An all-time record. Which, again, sounds like just guys in the studio jamming, but that record was painstakingly put together of tiny little splotches and swatches for, you know, for a long time. It's not a live in the room record. I, I think like this sort of captures a little bit of that too. This also just reminds me of a record I think I've talked to you both about, but 
the experience of listening to it changed when I heard it on $40,000 speakers, which is the Don Richard Spencer Zahn album. Which Pigments. are the ones you have in your apartment right now. Right, yes. <laughs> those are those behind you? Oh, those are cool. Um, just like Don is an artist who reinvents herself every iteration and still manages to sound very intentional. And this was essentially like a contemporary classical album mixed with R&B and they made it entirely over Zoom. They were never in the same room, but it sounds like you're sitting in the middle of an orchestra. It's incredible. Okay, let me ask one quick thing to close out. What is your song of the year? Yeah, sure. You've got 60 seconds. <laughs> My favorite song of 2022 is called June by the artist Destroyer. We knew Woo! it. We knew yes. it. <laughs> Boom. So Destroyer, you know, has been in the indie rock world since the 90s, has a storied career at this point, led by Dan Behar, main singer and songwriter. And he's put out many songs, but this song is unlike any of those. And honestly, unlike any other song that I've heard in my entire life. So that's always fun when that happens. Specifically, it starts off as fairly normal indie rock song, but then about halfway through breaks into this, I mean, I want to call it a rap spoken word. I don't know. Maybe just I'm into spoken word now. I think um, you got into spoken word yeah. this year. Um, and, Time to uh, admit it. <laughs> you know, he's he's a unusual lyricist and he really lets his freak flag fly on this, on this spoken <laughs> word part. Every line is either very funny or just very surreal or mean-spirited. <laughs> It makes no sense on one end as a whole verse, I guess. But at the same time, to me, in my broken brain, it makes the most sense of any song <laughs> that I've heard this year. Yes. That's number one. And I will pick one line that I really love. This is actually on the first half Please. of the song where he says, oh, snow angels, a fucking idiot somebody made. A fucking idiot someone made. <laughs> and it's not it's not like oh if you listen to the whole song it'll make sense it won't like there's nothing else that corresponds with that line oh uh, genius a great kind of one-liner and i've never looked at a snow angel the same way <laughs> it is that is an immediately i remember listening to the song for the first time i was like no oh, that's that's <laughs> Hall of Fame Bayhaw line, <laughs> yeah. like from the jump. Oh man. Um, so June is up there. I like, I'm so excited that Domble mentioned it. But my favorite is by Brax and Falcon featuring Panda Bear. And it's a beautiful song called Step by Step. Nostalgia core. Nothing to do with the New Kids on the Block song of the same name. <laughs> is that right? New Kids on the Block? Did they get that right? Yeah, I think so. Step by Step. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Um, <laughs> This song is, the beauty is in its elegance. The beauty is in its simplicity. I have a lot of rope for long, pretentious, jazzy prog rock stuff. But this, I think, is the 
usually the opposite of what my soul is drawn to. It is a dreamy, kind of dancey, sounds a little like French disco-y, but mostly just this amazing pop song. This song's so beautiful. I was sitting at home this summer listening to it on repeat, and I was just texting it to everybody in my phone, being like, song of the year, song of the year, song of the year, song of the year. A lot of people did not respond. It's fine. Uh, but, but, uh, but this song moves me in a way that I think some of the best music moves me, where there's not really an explanation for it. It is just simply a feeling where you just get lifted off the ground two or three inches for about five minutes and that's it i i'm not sure of what my song of the year is you gotta say (laughs) you gotta say there's there's no getting out of it now i feel like i've been living on two poles right now one is like party 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 your face off or like sit quietly and be swaddled by something Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all dying. <laughs> um, so, I feel like that's like a serotonin so, issue. I feel like that might be the like two are, let's, a let's regulation of your. Let's of your be clear: body. the the two are re- immediately related, right? Um, so I I want to shout out spitting off the edge of the world mm. because I do think it's one of the most concisely accurate song of this moment that is still like cinematic and enveloping and has like one of the greatest indie heroes of our time karen O, also in perfume genius like in the mix right I think this is so chaotic. <laughs> this is so chaotic. I think Home by Two Shell might be my song of the year. Yeah. Two Shell is the duo that Domble talked about earlier. But Home is this like jungle song with these chiptune vocals. And it's almost like fluttery. It's like the drums are like hummingbird wings. Like they're so fast. This is why this is my song of the year. There's a part of it where, like, all of the frills drop out and it almost emulates the Percolator, the Green Velvet song Percolator, mm-hmm. where it's just like this, like, sappy, sucky, like, whoop, 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 um. <laughs> <laughs> What was that part? What, what, what was, was that? I didn't, I didn't catch it. <laughs> the what part? Whoop, 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 whoop. Cool. Sounds awesome. I'll have to check that out. Um, well, with that said, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Ryan and Jeremy. This was very fun, even though we don't agree on a lot. 
Wait, well, okay, whoa, that's revisionist history. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like we agree, we agree on a ton of even stuff. Though, even though I don't agree with Jeremy a lot. You just, you just don't, that's, again, revisionist history, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll take you to a Father John Misty concert. And you never, can, and you can, never. And you can come. I, I, I think this, feel... I think that this will be tackled best in 2023. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I love you deeply. All right. I love you too. This is fun. Thanks so much. Thank you guys. Thanks. The Pitchfork Review is a production of Condé Nast. Thanks to Sam Sadomsky and Isabella Herrera for sharing their personal favorites of 2022. And of course, thanks to Jeremy Larson and Ryan Domble. Catherine Fenelosa at Rococo Punch is our senior producer. James Trout at Rococo Punch is our technical producer. Ryan Domble is our showrunner. Jessica Gramulia is our music supervisor. I'm the editor of Pitchfork, Pooja Patel. Thanks for listening. Nomi Fry, and this week on Critics at Large, we're talking about the delights and shortcomings of the new movie Challengers. It starred Zendaya at the center of a tennis triangle and a very steamy love triangle. Who are her loyalties to? Will she be tempted by the other one? How do these guys reckon their professional playing ambition with the romantic and sexual feelings about this mysterious woman? And such we have it. We have a conflict between three people in a game meant for two. Is it a sports movie or a sex movie? Find out on Critics at Large from The New Yorker. New episodes drop every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.